0: How's it going? And welcome to another episode of On the Corner, cross-referenced with On the Wire. This is a bonus episode for everybody. Uh, I am your host today, Adam Howe. And today, of course, I am joined by the one and only Nick Pollock. Nick, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I feel weird because
1: I'm sitting across from a liar. Adam Howe is not the host today. That is me. Hi, I am Nick Pollock. And we have a mock draft to discuss, I think, about two months after you finish drafting. That's the only way
0: to talk about mock drafts. Just wait too Let it stew. <laughs> you let it stew.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is true, actually. It is really nice to look at it and then say, okay, have it has it changed since we originally did this in October? Why is that? That might be very useful. Um, but, of course, we're going through all 23 teams here of this 5x5 Yahoo's 12-team standard mock draft with... Three outfielders, two utility spots, no middle infield, no corner infields, uh, and nine pitching slots. And I have this very weird thing in my mouth and throat that's very sore that's making me talk <laughs> like I have gauze in my mouth, and I don't. And I hate it, Adam. It drives me nuts. But this this podcast got to get done.
0: It's got to happen. It's got to happen. So I'm
1: here for all, all of right. you, and I'm so sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to let Adam take it away. But Hi. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Is well, it's funny. You talk about like we wait two months to talk about something like this, and in I am one of those crazy people, along with my co-host Kevin Hastings on On the Wire, where we start drafting real drafts in October. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> since we've done this mock draft, God. I'm about to complete my fourth draft of the what? off season. You've done four. I've done four. I did, yeah. Yeah. Oh so we God. do listener leagues through the on the wire podcast. Then mm-hmm. um, two of those did a couple of other ones um, and all very, very different 15 teamers, 12 teamers, different formats. It's just interesting to go back and look at this one with the the structure that we put in place with a standard Yahoo structure. Like you said, no middle infielders, no corner infielders, right. um, two in- utilities, a bunch of pitchers.
1: Yeah. Um, you, know, you know what's really funny to me? I'm looking at my team again for the first time in ages. My pitching stuff's amazing. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm doing put your, these. Put your pat, you know, little pat shoulder. Well, yeah. I'm doing my rotation breakdowns, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm about, what, 10 of ten out of 30 or something done? Maybe 15. And uh, Peel Pro members, you get early access to it. Mm-hmm. If you guys are curious, wait, did you say, Nick, no article paywall and everything? This is just true. These are blurbs that I normally don't share with everybody. This is the stuff that is going to be out for everybody for uh, the top 300. Like, I just copy and paste these. And I did them last year. I didn't share them with anyone. And I got a lot of requests, um, especially from people, pro members, being like, can we read that? We're going to be there on the live stream anyway. And I realized, okay, it's early access. It's not uh, something that uh, y'all are going to see anyway. So it's a bonus. And I'm not doing something different. And, uh, you know, you understand that it makes sense. But I've gone through a lot of the guys I've already drafted. My team's great. You have a pretty good team, too. And we're going to talk about that today. You have the fourth pick in this 12 teamer to start. Did you aim to have that fourth spot? Was that your intention? And do you think it's a good spot to draft from?
0: I think that uh, usually in these mock drafts last couple of years, I've tried to be quick, quick to on the draw to, to grab a spot. I don't think I was this year. I think I just grabbed what was left. Um, I, I do, in retrospect, especially after doing a few drafts already, um, mm. I do want to be in the top five. Um, I'm very, especially in Why a 12-teamer. Uh, in a 12-teamer, um, it comes around a lot quicker. And so mm-hmm. you can, you can really still double down on your first, second, and then third round with really top quality players from what I can tell in a 15 teamer, I might want to push closer to the middle just so I can, you know, when I do double down that first, second round, um, I, you still feel like you got two first rounders. Um, sure. and if you're at the top, if you're hitting that one or two spot, Maybe it doesn't matter because you're getting Acuna no matter what at that one spot, and that right. you know that's basically doubling down at this point. Um, but in a 12 teamer, I definitely want to be in the top three, four, maybe five. Um, especially just looking at this draft, um, I would have been happy with any of these top five guys, top six guys, even um, based on what we're seeing out of like now, five category studs.
1: Of course, Adam, you are a little uh, leaning toward the NFBC format. Favoring stolen bases, I think, a little more than your standard 12 team. Um, Still, that's why I'm thinking that you added Bobby Witt Jr. in there. Um, And all of the top six are your five category guys, really. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone that wouldn't be? Kyle Tucker's still an average guy, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he never wasn't an average guy. I think right. he's had a season or two where you're like, oh, I'd rather not have that 260. I'd, I I want him to be that 280 guy, that 290 mm-hmm. guy, but he's not sure. somebody that's hurting you in that category. Um, yeah. I think the the fear of Bobby Witt is that he could you know come back down to earth and and not be a five category guy and actually hurt you in, a, in batting average. But he showed that that you know shouldn't be the worry at this moment.
1: Right. And from the fourth spot entering the draft, did you have a certain plan? that you were going to execute and as the draft went on did you stick to it
0: uh i don't in this in this draft i don't think that uh i have a a standard plan i will say it's head-to-head so i definitely play into that into the strategy of hey i need whether it's win loss or if it's categories in these head-to-head category Mm -hmm. um type leagues i want to, I want to gain as much advantage in at least five, if not six categories every week. And so I do, I do try to focus on that as much as possible. Um, and so I do focus a little bit more on stolen bases, um, across the board, I feel, and I want to get those guys that have a carrying tool, uh, throughout the draft. Um, so you'll see like my fourth round pick obviously doesn't have any stolen bases, but he has a, you know, uh, he has a definitely has a carrying tool um, that can carry me in that category or two or three, um, and so when I'm looking at picks, I do I do lean toward guys. I feel as though um, have an advantage at at least one or two, and hopefully they're not hurting me in other categories as well.
1: Sure. And uh, did you find yourself uh, as you went through the draft, uh, reflecting on on your picks and thinking, okay, I need to be targeting X, Y, and Z instead at different times.
0: Uh, I think that after my first three rounds, I felt pretty comfortable um, in the offensive categories all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think my focus further down when I went when I finally did pull the trigger on some pitching, um, I knew again, I went back to that idea that I'm going to need to find. Guys that are going to carry me through two or three categories. I wasn't really necessarily focusing on all five pitching categories, um, but I did want to focus on, and I I think it's pretty obvious that like, strikeouts was the uh, the category that I was really focusing on um, mm-hmm. for my pitchers. And crossing my fingers on ratios, and you can always only you can only cross your fingers on wins when you play in a you know standard five by five.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, all right, so let's talk about your picks. Uh, the first one is
1: Julio Rodriguez,
0: who fell to the
1: fourth spot. I think this is a pretty clear one. A 32 home runs, 37 RBI, uh, thirty-seven stolen bases, 102 runs, 103 RBI, 275 average. Uh, the only concern I really see about Julio is just how good is the lineup going to be around him. Mm. So he can't get 102 runs um, or 103 RBI. But for the most part, a pretty safe top five pick.
0: Yeah, we got to remember. I mean, at this time of this draft, it was still the same lineup that we saw at the end of the season. Right. Um, it's gone through a little bit of changes, especially with you know Derek Kellenick not being the lineup anymore, um, and a couple of other guys being traded away, um, mostly to Atlanta. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I'll, he's still yeah, the guy. I mean, he's still the guy.
1: The agency as well.
0: And and I'm I'm a big proponent. I'm probably going to say this two or three times throughout this podcast that. You know, we were worried about Julio Rodriguez running going into 2023 because he really turned off the wheels at the, in the second half of 2022, mm-hmm. obviously 30 plus stolen bases from anybody. You're like, all right, he's still running. And I think that, um, we talked about Kevin and I talked about this, um, or we're going to talk about this on a future on the wire podcast, um, that, you know, something that I think, uh, Derek Cardi brought up, um, at first pitch Arizona, uh, maybe it was just in a conversation, but the fact that, there are a lot of teams out there that should have been running more, and yeah. to see to see Julio Rodriguez still putting up uh, thirty some you know thirty some odd stolen bases in a season where he probably should have been running even more, um, makes me feel more com- even more confident that we're going to continue to see a five category stud there.
1: Sure. So, so you have your outfielder, second round. You go for a shortstop Francisco Lindor. Why did you go over to Lindors instead of say Corey Seager?
0: I've, you know, we had this conversation. I think two years ago, I picked Lindor in like the, at the back end of the first round. I think I was mm-hmm. like close to the turn, and I ended up going with Lindor over um, Jose Ramirez um, at the time. And you gave me a little bit of flack for that, and I think I earned it um, because that wasn't probably the right pick at the time. What do I you do? know?
1: I know a <laughs> thing or <you're> two <through> about editors. <laughs> no, I don't really. That
0: was just pure luck. <laughs> um, but. Lindor, if you really, if you look at this draft, if you look at all drafts, or you look at like the the categories of positions, um, shortstop. Everybody always talks about how deep shortstop is and how much you how much value you can get out of it later on. But really, when it comes down to, is that top tier of shortstop? Even though there are quite a few of them, they all get drafted and they're all gone. Um, so I really don't want to fall off the cliff at that position when you can get such high. Quality across the board, in somebody like Lindor, Corey Seager went right after, right after me, um, or at, right after Lindor in that in that situation, um, and so I don't want to be left kind of in the. You know, I love Xander Bogarts, Red Sox fan. He, you know, hits close to home. Obviously, not there anymore, but um, I don't want to be left holding a Xander Bogarts um, or taking a risk on somebody later on that I did take, but he's my backup. Um, and so I, I want to make sure that, uh, I get somebody like Lindor in that middle infield position. Um, and that, you know, he's, he's, I mean, as safe as it comes, except for that, that one season, that first season in New York, he scared everybody, but I think, uh, he's kind of proven that he's, you know, he's the man in New York right now.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the biggest concern of course about Lindor, I mean, 30, 30- and 30 really uh home runs in uh stone mm-hmm. bases about 200 plus combined home run uh, runs in RBI 254 average. Uh, you hope that comes back up. So he's not really that sink. It's been every other year. That's been a real bad high average was two thirty in 2021 and two fifty four in 2003. Um, hopefully that does come back up for him um, in the future year. And I really understand that you're leaning on the door of a of course, for the stolen bases as well. Uh, so, I agree with you completely about the the shortstops being much thinner than they were in previous years. I found that out pretty quickly. Uh, that's why I went gunner in the third. I was like, I can't be that guy. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one hunting for this. And I, I talk a lot about middle infield just being so difficult in a 12-teamer to really separate yourself from the pack. You don't really want to be playing on the wire the entire year for your middle infields when there's clearly talent Good plug there. to be I had. It. And it's a big... Uh, yeah, a big gap between it. Um, on the wire, love it. Uh, so I mean, you want to be listening to on the wire, you just want to be playing it, yeah, fair uh, <laughs> Maybe the league, though, you should be playing the on the wire league. Cody Bellinger, third round. Uh, another outfielder here. This is actually you have three outfielders of your first four picks, and what's turned you to go to Cody Bellinger instead of locking down that second base position?
0: Well, I'm going to correct you there. Uh, Cody Bellinger is actually my first baseman Ah, um, in this situation. We are playing Yahoo, Uh, a lot lot more flexibility and a lot of these position eligibilities. Of course, on our draft board, he's showing up in orange, but you know, he would be my starting first baseman here. Um, I'll I probably I'll be honest, I've probably stretched here for him. Um, I was pretty impressed with what he was able to do in his kind of uh, makeup year with the Cubs. I'm curious to see where he, you know, by the time we're recording this, he still hasn't signed anywhere yet as a free agent. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see where he goes. Um, but I'm venturing to guess he did enough to get the eye of contenders and get into a lineup where he's going to be um, supported well um you're kind of like your concerns about julio rodriguez being like the only guy in seattle for the most part yeah. um i have a fee i i'm i'm hoping i'm hopeful that cody bellinger ends up going somewhere where he is able to he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to have a a, a a high weight on his shoulders, but at the same time he can be surrounded by a good support staff that's going to play to his strength, and he's been able, he's going to hopefully have fun and continue what he was able to build on um, in Chicago, and that is you know getting back closer to the MVP caliber player that we've seen him be. I mean, he's done it. He, he's a tweaker. He likes to tweak everything he's done over the last over the last couple of years, um, whether it's his swing or his dance or, or whatever. Um, hopefully you know, he can kind of find a rhythm and and just kind of run with that wherever he ends up. Um, But I'll be happy with the stolen base output out of my first base position, which is uh, not something that you can you can usually lean on.
1: Yeah, it's hard to really buy into such a drastic like 12 point strikeout drop. But then again, like how can you not when it's so drastic, right? It's clearly not luck there. Uh, So you see the 307 um, average after I'm sorry, what? 165 and 210? Uh, and the previous two seasons for Cody Bellinger. That's that's pretty bonkers. You got stolen bases out of the first base position as well. Um, and I, I like that you went with Bellinger over Vlad Jr. I'm personally not buying Vladdy in the third round right now. I feel like Cody does seem safer. There is something to be said. Um, I was actually, I just saw uh, them tonight. Uh, Glenn Colton has a whole thing about don't get guys uh, after contract years. And it does very much feel like Cody woke up and said, oh, no, I need to do something. Um, And the idea that it will be the same thing again doesn't quite uh, sit nice with me. But, yeah, first base position isn't very deep. Uh, Christian Walker won the next round as well. Um, Goldschmidt's Hork, Cassis, I can understand why you leaned on Bellinger. Uh, fourth round, uh, we have Kyle Schwarber. There's your big boom, you know what was it, a carry guy. Uh, that's a reserve for League of Legends, okay? A carry. <laughs> this is not that.
0: Uh, tell us about Kyle Schwarber. I mean, this is a guy who's going to put up, you know, forty some forty plus home runs from the leadoff position on a very good team. Um, and it's really what it comes down to. I, I do not force. I I I guess I'm just going to hope. I guess I can't foresee but I'm hoping he can bring that average up because that is the one thing about Kyle Schwarber, at least this year, as a leadoff guy who in a batting average league, not an OBP league um, that hits you 200, that actually actively hurts you. Whether you're playing head-to-head, it hurts you less than a head-to-head right. league, uh, but it definitely hurts you a whole lot in, in a, a roto league. Uh, I talk about this all the time. It's like, you know, you can get a catcher who hit you two thirty and not feel so bad about it because it doesn't go as far. Uh, And you talk about it all the time too, with like innings pitch, like your, your ratios are going to hurt you a lot more if you're, you're, you know, throwing 200 innings at a 4.5 versus, you know, a hundred innings at 4.5. And so Schwarber can actively hurt you in that it, doesn't hurt you as much in a head-to-head league. Um, he's going to chip in five or six more steals, um, just because it seems like that's what he likes to do. He won. He won the nation tacos, I believe. Was it last year? or The year before in the playoffs because he he stole the first uh, st- <laughs> had the first stolen base. That's um, right. In and it was either the World Series or just the playoffs in general. I think it was the World Series. Um, so that was uh, that was fun. He likes to do that. Um, you don't get the kind of power with the kind of run. Uh, scoring potential that uh, that Kyle Schwarber brings to the table in again in a head-to-head league I want the carrying tools so to get the hundred runs the uh, close to a hundred RBIs even out of the leadoff position and the 40 mm-hmm. stolen bases I'm sorry the 40 home runs um, uh, I mean, all but guaranteed stolen
1: bases I feel like is a <laughs> terrible terrible concept um, I mean I, I would love to see that movie where he has to do that in one season uh, but yeah, Kyle Schrober, as you mentioned, as that carry is just, you know, you're going to get a high floor of production, um, even though, of course, you're going to have to balance it with average and stone bases, head-to-head uh, leagues. These kind of guys can really make larger impacts than their weight will pull down. So I, I totally understand that. And it's nice to just have that guy always there and present
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and through the entire season. Obviously, you're going to have to adapt a little bit, but I think it'll be fine. Uh the fifth round comes with your uh, first seal of approval. That is Pablo Lopez. And we actually just talked to him on the, the pitch YouTube channel. You should go check it out. I did mm-hmm. a whole game where I sat down hundred minutes and went pitch by pitch with Pablo Lopez. He is so kind and gracious with our time to do that, but he really dove into it with all of us. Um, he had a notebook that he actually was looking through to see what he was thinking during the at-bats is so good definitely check it out on our youtube channel um but pablo lopez fifth round i mean i was so upset i had no plan of going a pitcher in the fifth round and you sniped me because i was thinking my gosh why why are people letting me do this um <laughs> <laughs> i mean you must have been thrilled at pablo here
0: uh, yeah, especially since you know I, I've come to be a, a big proponent of your strategy, especially in twelve teamers on a Yahoo format of going hitter friendly at least in the first four, if not five or six rounds, um, and then you know gobbling up as many of those starting pitchers that are still going to give you value in round six and on. Um, and to see Pablo Lopez and what he brings to the table, um, showing that he obviously has the ability to stay healthy for an entire season and put up really quality production throughout the season. I want to be able to trust my ACE, right? I want to be able to trust Mm -hmm. the first pitcher that I bring in all year round. And you talk about this all the time. You want to be able to trust your first four guys. Pablo's as trustworthy as it comes at the moment. And the fact and and like the intangibles that you're just talking about the fact that he was able to sit down with you for a hundred minutes in just really dive into it he obviously in 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 the middle of uh recording this at the in the middle of december um and that's what how he wants to spend his time and he's willing to spend his time doing that shows me like he obviously cares about not only what he's done but what he's going to be doing moving forward and he's really invested not to say that the majority of major league players aren't um but the fact that it just stands out and you have the ability to kind of learn from what he has been able to do um you know, I, I'd want him in in every every instance that I possibly can. I, I know you say that you don't have the influence, Nick, but you do because <laughs> he's being he's being drafted a lot earlier than I would like to see. <laughs> oh, stop that! Um,
1: I have him currently ranked at six on the list. Uh, that I believe is going to hold after I really I, I've gone over all the top five. savers, Zach Wheeler and Garrett Cole, but I'm not going to put Pablo Lopez above them. Corbin Burns, I am going to have above Pablo Lopez. I just covered him. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning. Um, And I'm actually a huge believer in Burns, but that's another conversation. Uh, We're going to go to the sixth round now, as you have an amazing ace already on your staff. And you decided not to go for a second one. You went with Royce Lewis, who I'll be completely frank with you. After you took Royce Lewis... um, I took Alex Bregman because I needed a third baseman. I got her in my shortstop position. I saw Royce and I thought, hmm, maybe I should have taken Royce Lewis. Would you have taken Alex Bregman or Royce Lewis in my position? And why do you like Royce Lewis so much?
0: I mean, it's funny that you asked me why I like him. I mean, I, I like him because we all... I guess anybody who's followed him you, you, as a prospect, as you know, as you know, as a baseball player or whatever, knows what he can do. It, he's it's always been a health right. concern, and it still is. Like, I'm, don't get me wrong. I won't, I probably. I mean, I've drafted Royce Lewis in a, in a in a. I think two other leagues that I've of the, like the four that I've drafted, um, because I still am willing to take that risk for what he can bring to the table. After I made this pick. I think you were the one that like went on and checked his PLV charts yeah, and, and, and posted young. all of those, and I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> 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 like these are the things that like you have an inclination. You you've seen the, the results on the field. You can see, and I think that uh, based on what I've been seeing in the other drafts that I've done. I got a steal here in the sixth round. <laughs> um, he's been going in the third and fourth round in both twelve and fifteen uh, uh, rounders that I, I that I've been part of. So, um, five category, five category stud. You know, he could bring it all in every category. Um, as long, I, I do worry about whether or not the the Twins will allow him to run consistently. Literally, just due to injury, like we saw Trout just stop running. When yeah. he started getting hurt all the time, um, Byron Buxton wasn't allowed to run <laughs> um, and he's probably still isn't, though. I'm sure he'll you know, say otherwise. Um, so you worry about just being able to stay on the field all around, but in a head to head in a fab style league where you can make replacements and you can have backups. Um, you know, it, it's funny you talked about how you had Gunnar Henderson in the third round as your shortstop um, in any other year he would have been guaranteed third baseman. Um, And not to say the third base is deeper than shortstop per se, but you're getting the, like the quality, the potential quality of Royce Lewis in the sixth round as a third baseman versus Gunner in the third round Um, shows you that there, I mean, Josh Young went, but you know, it was sandwiched between Young and Bregman.
1: Lewis's skills. I trust more, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is that question of the health, obviously. I think that's the biggest um, hurdle for that, but Really, at that point, it's Young, Arenado, Yandy Diaz. And then, yeah, there's not much. And this is, once again, why I say, look, I would so much rather go for hitters because, let me tell you, there are so many good pitchers. I uh, I thought I was going to be off the Calibratus train. He went in the 10th round and, like, that's so good.
0: You're like, fine.
1: You know, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got Brian Wu in the 12th. I love Brian Wu. Brian Wu's so good. You know, and it's... It's just completely different, I think, with hitters uh, where we're saying it dries up so quickly in certain positions. And yeah, don't be in that position where you just feel like you're having to start someone who's inadequate Uh, and you can still have a very, very good rotation. I think this year is more so than ever um, in this way of a really amazing crop for like good five rounds of hitters. And then uh, and then, yeah, then it gets really messy. So take advantage of that. Um, we're going to talk about your seventh round pick, of course, as well. Uh, but we're going to talk about that, who is a pitcher, yes, after this break.
0: This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for a nutritious, flavorful meal to fuel you on jam packed days. Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef prepared, dietitian approved, ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. We'll save you time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to do's factor isn't just for dinner Count on extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of 55 and more add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can be rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice as they offset 100% of delivery, admissions, and source 100% renewable electricity for all products sites, and offices. Head to factormeals.com slash O-T-W-50 and use code O-T-W-50 to get 50% off. That's code O-T-W-50 at factormeals.com slash O-T-W-50 to get 50% off.
1: And it's Freddie Peralta in the seventh round. That is Adam Howe's uh, second starting pitcher, Freddie Peralta, who had an unbelievable second half, overshadowed by Blake Snell's run, maybe even Cole Reagans, you could say. Um, who is that guy? Who knows? And Freddie Peralta, I, I covered him the other day, the same day, of course. I did with Burns. I'm curious to hear your take on him.
0: Um, I mean, it's pretty. I mean, pretty simple. I like again. You want those top four guys to be guys that you can trust to be put into your rotation throughout the course of the season. Um, and what Peralta was able to do, especially in the second half, um, made me. You know, it's not like he was a slouch in the first half either. I mean, the second half was just so good. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's got the 30.9% K rate, eighth in Major League Baseball from last year, um, tacked on with a whip that's sub a sub 115 whip. That's not going to hurt you in those other in those ratio categories. I'm targeting stri- strikeouts a head to head league. Category League, I this is my carrying um, category that I'm going to be targeting the most throughout the course of the season. I'm willing to take the hit on ratios um, throughout um, the rest of the draft um, because I probably plan on sh- doing some streaming uh, throughout the beginning of the season to, to kind of solidify where what's going to end up happening um, in my rotation. So I want the guys that I know I'm going to have all year round to be able to carry me through. Um, those situations, strikeouts. He's going to be put into a situation. I mean, twelve wins last year's, You know, it, when it comes right down to it, not that bad. <laughs> right. Um, not not easy to come by. Yeah, Milwaukee wins are,
1: wins are a very interesting thing where I think a lot of people, I don't know, it's very easy to get lost in win expectations. When I think like JP Sears still had like eight or something like that, or maybe even nine. I don't know. It was like seven to nine in there, and it's like, wait a second, that's not supposed to happen around the Athletics, and then. Yeah. Then you see someone else like at ten. It's like, wait, this isn't really that big of a deal. (laughs) I, you know, I understand that one or two can be the difference of a of a season a bit in Roto, but man, that's just there's a lot of times of a big shrug. Um, Then Freddie probably yeah, he's gonna get enough wins as long as he
0: starts. Yeah, I mean he's going to be put in a position where he can get the win as long as right. the and the, yeah, the Milwaukee sure. bullpen is hasn't been anything that's been a, a concern. Um, yeah. You know, with Joel payamps and obviously Devin Williams still there at the back end, they're holding down the fort. Um, and mm-hmm. all we need is Freddie Peralta to go the five, six, maybe even seven innings every once in a while um, to kind of almost all but guarantee that win um, opportunity.
1: Yeah, and uh, the thing about Peralta for me, um, I found myself being out on Peralta. Sorry uh now no seal of approval no 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 not this time i mean bobby miller is still out there yuri perez was still out there uh efflin um i think i think i'm gonna be taking all those guys ahead of peralta uh and you might be saying wait nick didn't you have him at like 14 or something or 13 i'm like i did this is true things (laughs) Uh, change (laughs) yeah so the reason i've been out more um looking at his second half I I've always kind of thought of Peralta as a rhythm guy. He throws ultra cross body, um, which is apparently a very hard phrase me, for me to say right now. And because of that, it means that he goes in and out of this rhythm. You might not remember the beginning of the year; uh, it was a four seven three ERA and a one thirty six whip in his first thirteen starts. Right, like he just wasn't not locked in. It did feel at the time that velocity was you know it was up like two ticks last year, um, and it should be better. He just hadn't really found a groove with his uh, breaking stuff yet. And eventually he did. And the changeup even showed up by the end, which was pretty cool. The other aspects are the health being still finicky across his career. And I don't want to be overpaying for that health um, of one season. And the other aspect I think is kind of interesting is left-handed versus right-handed. That changeup added another tool for lefties that he didn't really need because the curveball exists for that one. But right-handers, he struggled a bit. And the four-seamer wasn't as effective, and the slider isn't as dependable as I want it to be. Uh, and it makes me, I don't know, a little weirded out for Freddie Peralta. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he's still like a top-20 pitcher. Uh, I I think I see paths to 180 high-quality innings for other guys, and I feel like that's just a safer thing for me to chase than Peralta. Like, I don't think he's I like the safer
0: thing to chase. That phrase is, yeah. uh, is a good trick.
1: <laughs> right? That, right? Uh, like you're going for a three-two-one ERA, a .93 whip, and a 36% K rate over his last 17 starts. Right? That's what everybody is envisioning with Peralta here, and we all know that ain't going to be it, right? Um, then cue the curb your enthusiasm music. <laughs> um, a year later. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I, I don't blame you doing seventh round Brawl or anything like that. It's just, uh, I literally was just thinking about it yesterday as I wrote him up. So um, that's probably where I'll be. Uh, maybe like at 18 or 19, ultimately. It's not really a big thing. Um, eighth round, you got your first closer. And was this a reaction? Cause I got Josh Hader before you. Yeah?
0: I, I, I was planning on picking a closer here. Um, I probably would have picked Hader over. Oh, I got
1: you back. I, you pop, did bro. a
0: little bit. A little bit. Yes. Um, I. I mean, obviously there's a little, there's something to be said about, we know where Duran is. We know what his role is. Um, And, and that's not easy to say about somebody. And I mean, I talk to Grant Washburn about this a lot. Like he he did all that research into the value of a save. In oh yeah. It's
1: such a good article.
0: Yeah. By all means. Search for that, find it. Grant Washburn, uh, great, great stuff. And I'm a big proponent of it. I, I totally agree. Like I am worrisome about closers who are either pre or are are in arbitration um, just due to the monetary reasoning behind it and teams manipulating their uh, ability to get saves um, because there were so much in arbitration. We're going to hear mm-hmm. a lot about that as arbitration hearings um, move on throughout the off season and whatnot. But for right now, like there are exceptions to the rule and Duran has proven that he is the closer on a good Minnesota team. Um, and he is so fun to watch, um, you know, 98 mile per hour, uh, splitter, you know, the 101 mile per hour fastball. It's like not, excuse me, splinker. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but it was just, eye-popping obviously in the playoffs and like there's some playoff tax to, to be said about this draft happening you know in the playoffs as these things are happening as well Royce Lewis obviously one of my picks earlier went off as well for the twins Um, made a more of a name for himself Duran was just like every every gift you could possibly make you'd want to make it out of him yeah. <laughs> Um, so he, he was my he was a pretty obvious pick after Hater was off the board. Devin Williams went right before him. Classe was off the board. Edwin Diaz a couple of rounds before that. So, um, he's uh he's number five on Rick's uh um um Rick Graham's uh, save and hold chart as well. So he was the fifth reliever off the board, and I think that's uh, spot on.
1: It really bothers me that Duran's four seamer gets such bad induced vertical break. <laughs> it could it really just more, be dude. the most unhittable, of unhittable. <laughs> and it comes in at 102 and it's just 13 inches of it and like like Nick I have no reference point of this totally get it when I'm looking at starting pitchers um, and saying hey is this a good IVB induced vertical break for Seamer if I see above 17 I go whoa mm-hmm. okay if I see 16 and a half or so I'm like alright that's yeah good 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 that checks the box if I see it's under 16 is where I'm saying, mm, OK. And if it gets underneath 15, I go, OK, it's not good. And you got to figure something else out, really. And this is 13.1. um, Not good. <laughs> but but and like the VA is fine. It's pretty average. Good extension ish. Like it's it's 6.5, which is like essentially if you see like 5.5, it's bad. Um, So six and a half feet of extension is good. We're cool with that. But then there was a 102. So it's like, all right, it's fine. We're okay. Uh, <laughs> it is part of the reason why Hunter Green's, by the way, is not as amazing. It is the, the worst extension, too. Oh my gosh! Uh, Duran and Hader and Williams went in this round. Same with Class A and Romano. And when Diaz went in the sixth, something I was talking about with um, uh, another in in one of these other uh, mock drafts, there are so many defined closers this year.
0: It seems that way. Yeah um and going into uh, the season at least right
1: last year we knew like three guys Mm -hmm. (laughs) now we have got like 15 um it's really strange in this way and i think it's suppressed closer value because i remember what was it second round hater or something stupid i saw
0: that was that was that was the fear it's like that there weren't all these set closers and that if you wanted some kind of stability if yeah. you wanted a floor, you had to go second round. Right. Look, you I know. remember
1: when Kevin Hastings did that and I just, I flipped yeah. the table. <laughs> I was like, I there. you just can't tell me that in a 5 by 5 12-teamer. And I mean, that's the thing though. I was, uh, I say, okay, cool. I get it. Like these NFBC leagues and everything, that's where he's going. And I get it now. Like this one, we've got sixth round Diaz, the next one's in the eighth. And it felt like we're all looking at each other like, we're cool with this. We all agreed now. we like in a union. Um, it's great <laughs> uh, I love it this is where closers should be Um, ninth round oh my gosh you took Cole Reagans from me how dare you Yes, yeah. twice <laughs> Twice you. this did one it. might have you been on purpose all. and then Reagans <laughs> and I took Joe Ryan and I will say Joe Ryan was ranked one higher at the time for me uh, I think I'm lower on him now though I uh, believe it or not and that's a conversation for another time Cole Reagans tell me your
0: thoughts on him See, I just wanted to make Cole Reagan's a top 100 pick, and this was the hundredth pick <laughs> of the draft, so it worked out perfectly. That's why I wanted the fourth That's it. spot. That's Nothing why I wanted. Else. No, I did the math. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I also was happy to grab him here because I have not been able to pull the trigger on Cole Reagan's mm. on any of, in any of my other drafts, um, and it's just how how my drafts have worked out. The, you know where I'm at at that point, and I'm like, all right, I think. I think I can push him. Granted, I'm also been in two two of my four drafts. I've been in with Kevin Hastings, who has found a way to, as a Royals fan, has found a way to draft uh, Cole Reagans much earlier than I would oh, yeah. have anticipated. So I got to say, you got to know the really room.
1: brought a <laughs> smile to my face seeing Kevin Hastings wearing the AGA Reagans shirt at First Pitch Arizona. <laughs> I loved it so, so, so much. It's a good shirt. it it, it's oh man it's like one of those times when you design something and you're like this is the correct answer you know so it's so satisfying
0: i i asked him a question um i asked him a question on our last episode about who and i'll ask you the same question like who Mm -hmm. gets more innings between cole reagan's and um and, and jordan lyles um right now um uh for for the royals and Um, no, sorry, sorry, Seth Lugo, who just (laughs) signed not Jordan Lyles, Seth Lugo.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, it's like, why does that matter?
0: (laughs) Why is that such a weird question?
1: (laughs) Like, it might be Jordan Lyles because the Royals won't care and they're just like, yeah, go sixth inning, whatever. Um, no, I mean, it should be Cole Reagan's, and I think a lot of the worries about the injury history and stuff I get. Um, I think Seth Lugo is a little more i don't know it, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say it's reagan's i think reagan's has more of the complete arsenal but that's a good question i hate predicting innings man
0: do you i mean do you think the that reagan's um you know i assume he gets up to like the 140 the 150 as long as yeah. he's you know starting all season got yeah. after being just around 100 um from last year um the, do you think that he, they do a better job of pulling him back earlier Dude, than they did know. in the second I, half? I don't know. Or if he misses time to get to that one fifty?
1: Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Um, so by the way, with Lugo, it was 146 innings last year and 26 mm. starts. He missed some time in the IL, um, after being a reliever for a bit. He also had some injury stuff before, I believe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm just thinking of 2021. Um, I think it's a safer bet to say that Lugo gets more. Um, but I, I do want to say that I think Reagan's skill set speaks to actually being like a consistent six, seven. Uh, actually, you know what? I take it back. I'll say Lugo because I think Reagan's isn't afraid to walk a guy. Um, and I think Seth Lugo is. And I think that generally speaks to less efficiency for, for Reagan's. Like, think of it more like, like Snell in this way, not like a 13% walk rate. Um, but I'll give it to Lugo because also, yeah, I'm going to say there is some health risk, um, with Reagan's and all, um, but I, the cool thing about him and I've said this many a time, he has five pitches that he he commands. Mm-hmm. Well, he has five. The, the hardest part for Reagan's for me is we saw it for 80 ish innings or whatever in the majors last year. And is that it? Is that him? Small sample size kills us a lot. Um, and sometimes guys just change over the winter. He's in a certain rhythm at that moment. That's what we saw. But yeah, I'm in. I don't know. I, I love the ninth round. silver of approval. I don't care. Uh,
0: <laughs> Fair Number 100 overall. So good. There you go. Like,
1: I mean, this round is so good. Cole Reagans, Joe Ryan, Joe Musgrove, Bobby Miller. Ignore the Scherzer and the Verlander. I've already talked to them about it. No. But I mean, Bobby Miller at the end of the ninth, I literally thought he was already drafted. And I would have taken him over those guys easily. Um I gave a uh, a hard time to Van Burnett for getting Logan Gilbert, who actually just wrote about this morning. I was like, no, I'm terrified of Logan Gilbert right now. I'm like, I that is not as nearly good of a fastball as it needs to be. And the slider saved him a bit in the second half, but there's nothing else really after. Maybe the splitter sometimes and not. You know me, I don't want to rely on that. So, like,
0: Cole Regans to me should be ahead of him. Um,
1: yeah, I'm a fan. I'm just, it? I'm
0: just glad to see the, some more separation between George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. So you can stop using the Kirby, uh, uh Nick, Nick Ger- the Gerby. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Kirby is honestly, I actually, I DM him today and hopefully guys, I'm no promises, but I'm trying to get him on to do another, to do one of those one-on-ones because I have found, uh, I had a revelation this morning. As I looked into George Kirby. You gotta come to the live stream these guys. Uh, I'm serious. Uh pitcherlist.com slash uh sorry uh playback.tv slash pitcher list. a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time every weekday morning. I go over these players and I show you my exact process, and it completely changes my opinions on a lot of these pictures because I'm just doing it as thoroughly as possible. So that's a fun story. I'm actually doing Cole Reagan's Friday morning. Uh, watch me Be- like. Oh no, never mind. I hit Riggins now. Okay. Um, Jackson <laughs> Holiday, tenth
0: round. I uh, is he even starting for the Orioles at the time that we made this pick? It you know it was still by all means it was up in the air this is what as chris weber said it in our chat like this was our oh it's time for our statement picks uh, um, yes. okay. and of course he goes evan carter right yeah, after I don't that
1: like, i don't like evan carter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, true, that makes me happy
0: um and so this was i already have my starting shortstop this is my, my this is my you know bobby witt from a couple you know from two years ago when you have in, or your Jordan um, Jordan Walker from last year where you're just like, you're you're fairly confident that this top end prospect is going to get the ability to start from day one. Since then, the Orioles have come out and said he, you know, the door is open Um, that, you know, he can fight for a job in spring training. The, you know, they're not, they're not going to say he's going to start in AAA, not to say that he guarantees a job, but I think the, uh, the Orioles are pretty happy with that compensation draft pick that they got from Gunnar Henderson winning Rookie of the Year, uh, and so they're probably going to look for that again. And Jackson Holiday has the ability to win back-to-back Rookie of the Years for the Orioles, um, and then get them another draft pick as a bonus.
1: No, no, no. Uh, now tell us more about why you wanted to stay the holiday in. Oh, there it
0: is. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is a guy that he's been showing from in just last season how quickly the Orioles are are willing to move him and how he hasn't missed a beat at any particular level Um, between starting off in 2023 in low A, going to high A, double A, triple A, a little taste of triple A at the very end, just 75 at-bats, but still building up into that power, which is the question mark that everybody, you know, everybody has whether or not it will translate right away at the major league level. Um, But this is a very well-rounded short at a a player at a very premium position that if they do give him the position from, from day one um, you know, he should be able to run with it. And, And you can say the same thing about, you know, Jordan Walker from last year. He didn't, you know, spoiler, he did not run with it. From day one. What? Um, but I, I do trust the fact that, you know. <laughs> you know, Holiday is going to be able to bring, you know, a well-rounded game. And as my backup shortstop um, on this team to Lindor, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it.
1: Now, I promise everybody, when a hitter is being discussed, I do not just tune out. I listen. I'm there. However, <laughs> this time, I kid you not, this is just where I am right now. You said high A. And all I thought about was just calling that the Canadian League. <laughs> and that's just where I'm at right now. I'm just imagining like that stop is not actually playing baseball. It's just greeting a Canadian. And it's just something every player needs to do. There's single A and there's double A. And in between there's high A. Hey.
0: Yeah,
1: Sunny Gray is next. My gosh, how did I do that one? Um, 279 ERA across 184 innings last year. I think a lot of people would be surprised to realize that. Uh 115 whip, 24% K rate. I, I covered Sonny Gray already and You know, this is the funniest thing to me. There are times I've been covering these guys for ages, and I still find these new elements about them. Um, He is so intriguing to me. And last year, he was a massive discount, I think. I, I certainly undervalued him. Um, and I was able to get him in TAT Wars for like $6 or something like that. Um, and I was shocked by it at the time. And he just quietly produced. And he could very well do that again. 184 innings, of course, is the the career high for him. Um, Previous high was 175 in 2019, or at least this is since 2018, of course. Uh, About 120 innings, though, in 2022. That certainly lowered his uh, perception last year. You're certainly back in, though,
0: with Sonny Gray. I was uh, a little surprised at myself for being this in. Um, I don't know if this, you know, this round... Grabbing Sonny Gray in the eleventh uh, is in per se, like strongly in. Um, but I am seeing this is my, you know, my fourth starter on my team. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more confident in the floor uh, that he's provided, especially after, you know, to your point earlier, it is technically his contract year. He has since signed with St. Louis. um Obviously, no idea where he was going to be at the time of this draft, but. Uh, happy to see him kind of go to i I like how our draft board is already updated as well um where where he is that's that's convenient um yeah i mean he's still providing me with the categories that i'm looking for um and he's able to go relatively consistently deep into deep enough into games where Uh, I'm not as worried about the team that he was going to go to having a solid bullpen to hold on. Um, Like he can go, you know, that that six innings on a regular basis. It's just an odd quality start league, but I still want to be able to see him hold on to that opportunity to gain that win. And then also obviously with more innings gets you more volume, get you more opportunities for those strikeouts as well. Um, And so, yeah, this is my number four guy that I kind of trust to be there throughout the course of the season. And, um, they allowed me to take a little bit more risk with my next pick.
1: Pablo, uh, Pablo Lopez is, you know, had a thing that he said. Um, I asked him, "Hey, when did you start throwing front hip sinkers?" And Pablo said, "When I started to be on a team with Sonny Gray." Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was amazing, and Sonny Gray is so intriguing like this because the way he uses that sinker to lefties is great, but he also Changed how he throws his four-seamers, and um, and I mean that by an approach, the Yankees wanted him to throw this pitch upstairs because they said, hey, it's a high spin rate, Mm -hmm. without understanding that it's a cut fastball. This is a cutter, really, not a four-seamer. And sure, there are times that you can do the cannibal McSanchez, which is throwing high cutters out of the zone that come back in the zone for called strikes, but that's not how Sonny works. He goes glove side with that thing all day, and it's so good. Uh, and it really does set up that, that slider and, and curve underneath it, too. Um, it's an interesting game that doesn't always work against right-handers, um, but I, I, it makes me understand Graymore and those adjustments. And it's more believable to me that he had these uh, the renaissance years post uh, the Yankees was able to kind of do his thing more often. He should throw more sliders for strikes, though. I still don't understand that one. (laughs) Um, But uh, 12th round, uh, we're going to talk about in a second. He's a guy that I think is your riskier pick that you were just setting up here. And we're going to talk about who that guy is, who I'm interested in, and I'm not at the same time. And we're going to talk about him after this break. It's Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon, I obviously just had a lost season. And that's really what you're banking on. Two amazing years in 2021, 2022 that were not flukes. Clearly not. I mean, we thought it maybe was a fluke in 2021 and then he did it again uh, with an overpowering fastball and uh, then he got hurt in a different way. It wasn't the shoulder. it was back in mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And you're banking a little bit here in the 12th round that uh, well, at least you're, you feel that the reward for a 12th round pick like this is worth the f- risk of it falling out from underneath him again.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like I said, with a solid top four starters, my number five can ha- can be a little bit riskier here. Um, and, you know, I, I think that Carlos Rodon kind of um, blends like the thing you always say about um, you're going to want to know how a pusher is going to perform from day one yeah. um, so that you can make a decision um, from yep. day one. You don't have to hold on to him throughout the week. Um, and for Carlos Rodon, I think that's either going to be health related and the, the beauty of being in a league like this is if it is a strong health related, he can just go on my IL and I don't really lose the roster spot per se. And hopefully, you know, he gets better and he can come back. Um, or he, he's showing strength during strength training, I'm going to have at least that ability to kind of see um, how he's being utilized, what he's, I mean, what he's throwing, how, you know, how hard he's throwing, as you always say, um, where he's sitting, not so much where, you know, where he's hitting um, consistently mm-hmm. um, and what kind of consistency we can see out of him through the mar- uh, month of March before we actually hit, uh, hit April in I, I think because, again, he's my fifth starter, I'm going to have a little bit more flexibility to kind of hold the line through the first like two or three starts this season before I have to make some kind of drastic change.
1: Yeah. Uh, I. It, it's weird. Carl Sordon's four-seam. Remember, we, we have this amazing, amazing tool, everyone. If you don't know it, go to our website, and it's the PLV Pitches app. and it lets you just get these amazing i uh, uh, charts and information quickly about individual pitches, like its velocity, but also the extension and the IVB, um, the uh, the VAA as well. Uh, I actually have something for this now. Um, I can't really. There are like four major attributes to me about the uh, about pitches um, themselves, with, like their shape and stuff, um, and if they're good or not. So, it's like velocity is obviously one of them. Uh, it's movement, so it's IVB or the the arm side movement too. The extension and the VAA, right? This is outside of location, so I'm calling it the fantastic four, like how they fan the flames, or it's just there it is. You know, yeah. someone. I don't know. I'm going to workshop this. I feel like there's something with <laughs> with four and like flame two or heat, and I'm sure I'm being really dumb and missing something. This is why I'm putting it out there. Uh, but anyway, those are the four attributes to me that really make up a fastball. And Carlos Rodon's four-seamer this past year still had amazing IVB. Uh, we're talking 17 inches of break, which is so good. If you guys remember that from before. Also, 95.3. I mean, it was pretty close to what it used to be. And he had those two games at 96 where they were amazing. He had 19 strikeouts in those two games in September before it fell down to 94. So, to me, that does showcase weight. This is still a four-seamer that can do all the effective things. He still had an overall 14% swing strike rate. Like, it's not as if Carlos Rodan's four-seamer turned into Logan Gilbert's, Okay. Um, yes, I'm doing that right now. I'm so sorry, Logan Gilbert. Um, <laughs> in the slider, honestly, it did for the most part what it was trying to do. There were a lot of bad ones that he had mistakes with, but as far as like movement profiles and everything like that, yeah, it's the slider <laughs> that we know. And I honestly kind of feel like he just never got into that groove and it was still kind of there. He had those moments where was, that was the guy. So I hope that a healthy off season, just a better ramp through spring training. Everything just allows him to be that guy. And yeah, as you mentioned, we'll know early. We'll know if he has that like five inning, ten strikeout game, zero walks in spring training. We
0: go, oh boy, it's coming. We we rub our hands together. Yeah, and like you said earlier, it, it is. I mean, I don't know if it's nice to know, but it's like it's just nice to know that his other injuries weren't related to the original um i don't know if they were a compensation or if they were related in that way but at the least it wasn't still the same um original injury just being re-injured over and over again
1: yeah I, adam i might take your lead uh, adam of course is our director of podcasting here and made a tutorial for everybody uh, on our new podcast hosting service and uh, he, all he did is just like use the thing that was sent to us a bit and then just wrote red text over it, and it's great <laughs> um I, we got to work on your spelling of immediately. Yeah, probably. But, uh, we'll, we'll get there. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, as if I've never made a typo. Um, but I, uh, I'm tempted to do that for these pitch type charts for you guys, just to put some red, uh, text over, be like, this is good. This is bad. <laughs> and these are going to be free for everyone listening until the end of January. Uh, so if you're like, Oh no, that's a peel Pearl only thing. Don't worry right now. They are free to use as you do your research. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, publishing an article with FTN, talking a little bit about that more for, uh, for Vlad's draft guide. I'm really excited to be doing that. Um, but it will be a Peel Pro exclusive starting on, in February. So uh, definitely go and check that out now. Um, they are absurdly helpful for me doing my research, and I'll have that tutorial image as well for everybody to be uh, using. So, uh, yeah, to guide them through it. Um, we're going to the 13th round, and we're totally not going to go long on this one. I uh, you got another closer, Tanner Scott. And I think Tanner Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, had a lot of
0: really good metrics under the hood. Yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, this guy who ended the season 78 innings in 104 strikeouts. So if you're looking for that, especially in a Roto League, that goes a long way. And I guarantee that this is a head-to-head league. All I really care about my, what my closer is is doing is giving me saves. Um, and. He has earned the role in Miami in the you know the final uh, you know month and a half of the season where he took over for um, when they after they traded for David Robertson and then he took over for that, posi- that position. AJ Puck had it for a little bit, um, and they had D- Dylan Floro kind of uh, fill in throughout the season as well. Uh, Floro is now gone. Um, Robertson is also gone. Uh, AJ Puck is there talking about the possibility of him being a starter or at least being stretched out for that o- option. Tanner Scott is the guy in Miami on a fairly good Miami team. Um, and to be able to provide the added bonus of, you know, a hundred strikeouts from your, from a closer, um, he's going to be in your lineup all year round. It's not like somebody you're going to stream in and out. Um, and the fact that as long as he holds on to that job throughout the course of the season, um, the, the saves will come on a, on a pretty good Miami team in the NL East, uh, Fine. He, he's also not some <laughs> he's also not somebody that's going to you know he's not going to come in for two batters or three batters, the minimum um like yeah. there's plenty of instances throughout the course of just like the last month and a half where he's going and ending in the third ending in two thirds he's like he's he's coming in the eighth and then staying through the ninth as well to get those saves you know his nickname right it's great tanner
1: <laughs> Okay, uh, no, I mean, he throws a slider 53% of the time, and that slider has a near 70% strikeout, uh, strike strike rate with about 30% ICR, 21% swing strike rate. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Oh, wait, he also has a 97-mile-per-hour fastball that misses bats, too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yu um, Darvish is next. Yu Darvish is very interesting, uh, and I, I'm curious why you're going after him as opposed to, say, other stable or arms. There's Evaldi here. There's, there's Kelly. I, uh, yeah. Why Darvish?
0: I, I, in retrospect, I probably would have, I should have gone Merrill Kelly. I don't know that Nathan Evaldi is the stable arm that you yeah, just need yeah, yeah, him. That, that's
1: very true. Yeah. Uh, Darvish oh, definitely. I was grasping. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he was just the first name on the list. I get it. Um, no, I probably would have went, you know, in hindsight, uh, Merrill Kelly would have been uh, the pick that I, I, I'd make here. Um, again, the, the guys that I'm looking for right now are going to carry me in that strikeout category. And I will take the risk that he's going to, that you is going to continue to throw anything and everything that he possibly can. And maybe he hurts some of my ratios, especially like my whip. Um, but still being on a hopefully good team, the San Diego Padres, they're a little different now than they were, um, at the end of last season, just a touch. um, just a touch. Um, they have a whole lot more pitching, I guess, is what I can look at it. Um, as they, you know, took all those pitchers from the Juan Soto uh trade, but I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still all but guaranteed that you, Darvish, in any given week, even in a one start week, um, I can, I can see anywhere between five and 10 strikeouts from him, um, throughout the week. And in a head to head league, that's, that's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. Darvish is, is strange, um, because I, because he has such a good fastball. He really does. He just can't elevate it. Um, I mean, he has the makings of it. It has 16 to 17 inches of rise. That's what you want. Actually, really good VAA, 1.5. Um, 95 mile per hour velocity, good extension. Like, this should be a, a four-seamer that misses tons of bats. It's just he doesn't get it upstairs. 8% swing strike rate last year. And it's just Dude, you got to do this. Um, There was a game. There was uh this game against the Jays and I covered it for the YouTube channel. It's amazing. Uh, It's, it's essentially the dream Darvish start that mm-hmm. I've been asking for all, all season about. Don't <laughs> give in. Utilize the four seamer only upstairs. Utilize only the sinker inside of right handers. Utilize a ton of cutters for strikes and sliders out of the zone and do not just throw that two one fastball, whatever. Here you go, and he was brilliant. And I was like, "Great, this is this is who he is now. This is it." And then he just went like sink or slayer the next game, and I was like, "What is going on? <laughs> what is life?" <laughs> and I think what I what I kind of came to terms with is, I don't I don't know if Darvish, um, knows what is going to work on a given day, and I think he. It has such a deep repertoire, but it's off. It's rare that he actually really, you know, focuses heavily on the entire uh, palette uh, in a given game. So it's more of like, cool. Among these, let's see what works the most. I'm going to go with that. And, you know, I have many wishes for Christmas, but one of the major ones is for Darvish to find like the three pitches that he's like no 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 i'm not going to actually try and change the shape of my slider 20 times i'm just going to have this one of them i'm going to have this amazing four seamer upstairs and i'm going to have this cutter i throw to, and maybe some sinkers for surprises like that just saying this is what i do and i'm just going to be only good at that um i hope he can do it. i feel can like he do that like is he I just think, the type of person the type of know. player that can or wants to right well that's the thing um I also look at last year and I see, man, this guy all of a sudden had like a nine hit per nine um, after just not doing that since forever. <laughs> and that seems weird. Um, I don't really think that that is who Yu Darvish is suddenly. Um, and I see a five, four, five, six ERA, which is the highest since 2018. And I go, well, no. So I'm in in the 14th round, I think. Um, I don't know if I actually love Merrill Kelly all too much either. So, I mean, there's obviously risk with you, Darvish, here. But, I mean, really, like, he's been a rock star as far as starts go for a while. Really, last year with 24 starts was the low because it was essentially max starts for the previous four years. Um, And that's pretty cool. I hate that we have to say that because it was 12 starts in 2020. Otherwise, it was 30 starts regularly. So, it's like, right. yeah, but it's max starts, you know. <laughs> I just want to say at least 30 starts. Sorry. Uh, I'm in a weird 1040 at night mode. Um, We're going to move on. You Darvish, 14th round. Yeah, I'm in. Salvador Perez, um, catcher. Catcher was weird. We realized kind of as a collective group, wait a second, we don't really need to be jumping for catchers. Um, I kind of thought that everyone after I took Real Muto in the 10th would just not do it. Um, I understand Yannir Diaz uh, by Joe Galina. I'm excited to talk to him about that. You took Perez. Why Perez?
0: I mean, I agree. I, uh couldn't agree more with uh, a lot of the takes that you've had in the conversations with uh, um with, uh, with the with other, other guys that are talk, in the draft yeah. that, are picking, that are picking that are picking that are picking in the 23rd round I mean we had <laughs> two we had two starters we had two starting catchers go in the final round of this draft um a, a whole bunch of other ones went really really late oh, Yeah,
1: there was a chad young's so is that yeah. the best example of him talking about two catchers he wanted it was great i'll just take whichever one is there and both were there <laughs> the last pick of the draft. and there
0: were still and there's still some left to his yeah. point um that we can all consider if i'm gonna pick a, a catcher i guess in the top 15 rounds i wanted to be somebody that i trust is going to get um at bats outside of the yeah. catcher position um mm-hmm. and sal press is going to build a spend most of his time at DH for the Royals on a team that is sneakily getting actually better. Um this both is what natu- happens. Both this is what naturally, naturally happens. and a bad
1: uh, young offense one year and everyone goes, Oh, now they're bad. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they're gonna be better. Same with the Tigers. They're gonna be better.
0: So, I especially in these head to head leaks as well. I, I I don't never mind. I never mind having a catcher who has eligibility in another position. He has gained the first base eligibility with uh, Vinny Pasquantino being out most of the season last year. He was kind of forced into that role, um, filling in. So, he's got that. So, I always like having the flexibility. Sorry, He's not playing anywhere else. But on those days, on those weeks where yeah, like, yeah. I've got a Monday, Thursday off or something like that, it's it's definitely a strategy you have to think about, especially when it comes oh, down to, into the playoffs.
1: Now, I mean, of course, catcher is not really going to be the one that's like I have two catchers to fill. So uh, Salvador is going to be there. But I understand the, the idea of the utility, um, especially in head-to-head leagues. Uh, Alexander Chase um, wrote this really great piece for us about this, saying, look, in your head-to-head leagues, in a given week, the most valuable thing is to ensure you have the most played appearances on Mondays and Thursdays. It's not mm-hmm. starters, um, which, of course, instantly I was like, how dare you consider that my <laughs> value is lowered inside of this field? Um, and I gave him some pushback just saying, look, I think the first two months of the year are more valuable to, f- to have your hands in more pots for pitchers, um, because I think there's it, it's easier for us to understand who's having a breakout in April and May as a pitcher. Um, but maybe even you can say April Um, easier dart to chase but then once you actually get something settled then yeah then you gotta switch your bench spots to hitters because that's how you win weeks Um, and I couldn't agree more about that I mean obviously it's harder in a weekly league in your daily leagues you gotta be thinking about that a lot I mean pretty much you should be switching from like first four days should be a hitter streamer and then the last three should be a pitcher streamer um, if you can do that then you've done some good stuff I, I'm not going to take Salvi. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to take Cal rally, uh, in the 20th round instead, I think, or I'm going to take Francisco Alvarez or Sean Murphy or just whatever else is there. Um, but I get it. Plate appearances win. And that's a cool thing. Uh, maybe not Sean Murphy. Uh, Charlie Morton and Andrew Abbott. I'm going to stack these guys together here. Uh, cause he went two pitchers and honestly, you, you go my route of like, look, you have a lineup. Sure, you have to fill in your two utility spots, but you'll get there. It's fine. Those are easy ones to find off the wire. Uh, so you're just going to try and chase as many things as you can. So Charlie Morton, at the time, we didn't know if he was going to retire or not. He had a two-year deal with Atlanta. And pretty much when he signed it in 20 at the end of 2022, we didn't know if he was going to retire. Then right. he signed the two-year deal. And we're like, well, okay. He'll do one and then make another decision. Seems like he's back. Are you worried at all, though? Because, I mean... Charlie Morton had a terrible, terrible 143 WHIP last year at 11.6 percent a great. Why are you chasing Charlie Morton here?
0: I mean, it's chasing wins. I mean, you're chasing a a a pitcher that they, if I'm not mistaken, Atlanta picked up. I think it was Atlanta's option to pick up, and they picked that up, and so mm-hmm. he's officially, you know, on the roster. He has not said otherwise he's going to retire sure. instead he's going to take the money and run um and he's going to be in that rotation i mean we saw the the trouble that atlanta went through um all season dealing with injuries as a lot of teams do but atlanta's uh kind of was in the spotlight just because of how good of a team they were overall both in record and just on the field um you know he, as long as he's in the rotation as long as he's healthy he's going to put himself in the position. So I, I'm happy to chase those wins that Atlanta's going to provide him. Um, strikeouts are still there. The ratios are scary, 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 especially in a head to head league. Those blobs can lose you a week, at least in those categories that he showed us from last, last season. Um, I'm not, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, quicker. I think on the trigger to kind of stream him in and out whenever, when, when possible, especially early on in the season, if he, just you know if if we're seeing more of what we saw especially um in those later games um or in the middle of the season really last year uh but i'm happy to at this point in the draft and and where my rotation is at i'm happy to chase those counting stats
1: yeah i'm worried man i'm so worried charlie it's funny i've mentioned this a couple times 2021, it took until May for Charlie Morin to wake up. 2022, it took until June. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, as a joke, it's going to take us until July. And it did yeah. <laughs> for Charlie Morin this past year. And uh, the cutter was a less reliable pitch. This used to be something would flirt with a 70% strike rate, and it was a 59% last year. Not really like a major 20%, 20% plus uh, strike uh, usage, more like 10%, but that was the reliable. Okay, I need a strike. Here it is. You didn't have that, and that's a major reason why the walk rate went up. Um, you also have with the curveball, much less in the zone than it used to be. It used to be around 40%, just down to about 35%, 36% now. Fewer strikes on that. Uh, the fastball is getting tagged uh, 44% ICR. You remember ICR being ideal contact rate. Essentially, was it a good thing for the hitter that contact was made in play? And getting closer to 50%, we want to see like under 40 and closer to 35, those are the good pitches. 44 is, oh boy, if you're throwing that 32% of, your t- of the time as your main fastball. And this is getting awfully close to the waskar Noah rule of just having a good breaking ball and nothing else. And I don't think it gets better. It's Charlie Morton. He's
0: 40 years old, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ceiling. I get that. <laughs> well, it's
1: it's more about the floor just keeps going. Down. Um And I'm worried about it. It's I, I totally get like, look, 16th round. Uh who, who goes after this? Seth Lugo, Emmett Sheehan, Nick Ludolo, uh, Andrew Abbott, Nestor Cortez, etc. Um, I would take Nestor Cortez. I think there's a lot more of a tangible understanding of how this plays out. I would even say that if Charlie Moran looks good for the first couple of weeks, you still are not like, then he has two bad starts. You're, you don't know what to do. Um, and 14 wins last year for Charlie Morton. I think he got fortunate a little bit with that. Uh so I mean is Atlanta, so fine. But yeah, I, I just can't do it. I think I, I think I, he's just yeah, gonna drive me up the wall.
0: Um he's the hipster, right?
1: He is, he is a headache inducing pitcher starting stifling the entire roster. It is interesting. 26 of his 30 starts came with the decision. Um, good old LeBron decision there. And uh i don't know what that means that's just interesting <laughs> uh it, it, i think that does show his volatility 14 and 12 um so not the guy that i'm gonna be circling in my drafts and yeah you just gotta think it's gonna get worse i know that's ageist but like guys there's a reason we do that we, because, there's
0: so few i get that yeah yeah
1: uh scherzer and verlander are worse why i don't know am <laughs> sorry <laughs> Uh, Andrew Abbott is in the next round. is not going to be someone that you're agist of uh, because he is a young and he is just 24 years old. Will turn 25 in June? Had his uh, rookie season last year across 109 innings, was sparkling out of the gate, and then not so much. Uh, it was kind of rough for a couple starts. He would have these like six earned run games and. You know, you could say the last uh, eight games or so, he did get it back together a bit, but we don't know what we're going to get right now from Andrew Abbott.
0: No, I think this was a uh, a gut pick on my part, as I have him on my uh, Dynasty uh, team at my home oh, league. I see. So some bias, um, so it's a little bit of bias, a little bit of oh bias my gosh. built bring into that this in one. here. But I would like to also think that, um, you know, that sophomore season of a pitcher like Abbott can you know you can learn from a lot of the things that he went through and come back stronger out of the other side um also somebody that i think that early on in the season i'll be able to make a decision pretty quickly again based on the rotation that i put together and the, the the floor that i have on the you know my top four or five guys um that i'm able to kind of make those decisions quickly about somebody like abbott who's Not in the best park, obviously, for any pitcher in Cincinnati. Uh, still learning as he's going and you know, I'm holding on to the fact that he did have such such a strong start, as you mentioned, put in some struggle and then came back the other side a little bit better at the other end. You love to see that aspect.
1: I do. That's one of the things I talk about a lot is rookies when they're past their first wave of adversity and having success. I, I buy that in more, yeah.
0: So cross my fingers.
1: <laughs> cross your fingers. Uh, it's not that great of a heater and the command of it got worse as the season went on the, uh, I want to think that the breaker is good enough. Um, I think it was like it focused on a curve and then he went to a uh, slider with it. Uh, but neither one. Uh, I take that back. I, uh, the curveball had a 31% CSW, the 28% was on the slider. I, uh, ICR is really good on that slider. PLV loves it 5.52. And I hope that that can turn into that big CSW just try me pitch. But seeing a 46% ICR and a 45% uh, on the curveball, 46 is on the four seamer is oh boy. In that kind of park um and I'm I'm seeing him not really as the best command guy. 10% walk rate uh last year for Andrew Abbott like This is worrisome to me. Um, And I see this more as a cherry bomb that, again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make a decision. I want decisions. You know, my team is filled with good decisions or bad decisions, but I'll know what they are. Right? Paxton and Maeda, I'll probably know early. Nester Cortez, I'll know. But Habit, I don't. You're going to be, yeah, just just give you guys the favor in 2024 of just having less anxiety. Less unknown, less conflict <laughs> internally. It's it's the way that you deserve. Um, we're going to move on to
0: uh, Craig Kimbrell, who's now in Baltimore, and you made this
1: pick just thinking, yeah, he's going to sign somewhere and be a
0: closer, right? Easy. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was I've been talking about it on every other episode of On the Wire how confident I was that Kim, Kimbrell not only was going to sign somewhere. But I kept saying it the only place that makes the most sense was Baltimore for him to sign a one year deal with Felix Batista, obviously out for the entire season. Um, Kimberl being who he is, uh, you know, it's been pretty obvious when he's in a position where he's not the closer, he's just not as comfortable, it's just not who he wants to be. Um, and he's weaseled his way back into closer positions at pretty much every stop that he's made um even in philadelphia he pretty much owned that that role for the majority of last season um and so now you know it's nice to say in hindsight that you know he's got that role in baltimore locked in your cano as you know as good as he was uh most of the season um not you know they're not going to be putting him in that role when they're going to pay Kimbrel uh the money that they're oh, yeah. you know they're giving him Exactly as a stopgap to, you know, getting Felix Petitza back. Now,
1: with where Kimbrell is signed, which is Baltimore, which is I think honestly is as good of a spot as you could possibly hope for. Sure. 100-win uh, team, yeah. Where do you think his value should be inside this draft? Because this is obviously a seal of approval on the 18th. You
0: did it. You you got it. This is why I wait to do this recording until after <laughs> some of these are <laughs> made. Uh, everybody is just here for the seals. Yeah, I All mean. Right? It's SeaWorld. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, that's the only thing you can foresee. that's it. That's all I got. An, um, At the at the least, he should be switched with the on your canoe. And Kano went in the fourteenth sure, round. fourteenth. Okay, uh, right around you know Tanner Scott, We're Evan probably, Phillips. I mean, him yeah. or Ryan Presley. I'm gonna take honestly. I'm probably taking Kimbrel. Yeah, um, I think so too. I just trust that Kimbrel will be not only in the role all year. Um, in retrospect, in Baltimore, not I mean Baltimore, Houston, fine. Those Honestly, are the stuff is still good. In Presley, I just don't trust yeah. that he's going to be healthy all season either. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and Evan Phillips, Evan Phillips, as good as he was in you know twenty twenty two, he was also very good in twenty twenty three. Um, I I always I lean back onto the idea that he is still arbitration eligible and the Dodgers as much flexibility as they were given from their recent signing of Otani. they still need to spend more money and they have to think about how they're going to spend their money, whether yeah. or not they're going to spend it at that so closer position.
1: I, I'm buying that. Uh, I screwed up. Okay. So we're going to move on to Aaron Ashby 19th round. So here's the thing guys, Aaron Ashby missed all of last season. And 2021, I was so excited. The old joke is coming up to Boston to hang out with the Pitchless meetup. We all went to Fenway. It was a great time. And in the restaurant after while we're all hanging out, I actually had my phone up because I'm watching Aaron Ashby start from that day. <laughs> I couldn't wait until I got home. Say, hey, guys, it's really great to see you. Let me watch Aaron Ashby. Okay. Great, thanks. It was only like 22 pitches or something like that. It was that weird game against the Cubs. And I was so excited then. But he got so much worse in 2022. Um, a lot more poor contact allowed. The slider got shellacked. It just wasn't quite there. And then he had this shoulder injury where he missed all of 2023. This pick is saying, look, I think Milwaukee's going to be in a situation where they're going to start him out of camp. And you like him, clearly.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the final starter, starting starter from um, – <laughs> possible starter i guess yeah. of my rotation here um and i'd like to see what he does in spring training i would like to see how milwaukee handles them um, milwaukee has been uh all the rumors around whether or not milwaukee is going to make some more trade or make some trades to free up some different positions may provide more opportunity in the rotation for ashby uh sure. and so you know it really depends on how much he stretched out, what he actually puts forth. Um, I mean, how many walks he gives up in spring training and, and how they use them.
1: Sorry, there's something about the phrase "put forth" to me that is just so funny. I uh, I love it, and it's as I can also see it as like judges saying like, "No, they do not belong on the podium." Forth. <laughs> they're, they're fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, just put them forth. Uh, what were the odds of Wade Miley signing with the Brewers? Because I feel like that was like the Mandela effect almost of everyone knew he was already. a brutal. He was already. Yeah. You just
0: assumed he was, Oh, I thought he was already
1: signed there. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> uh, but as of now, um, it looks like those are the top three of Burns Peralta and, uh, Miley. Then you have Adrian Hauser, who I think is just going to be doing it. The interesting thing is that Robert Gasser is here too. Um, and so is Colin Ray, Jensen Jack. We're not going to talk about, um, Jacob, Jacob Mizorowski is also there, but, double A, and command is a little weird, but the stuff is insanely good with him.
0: Yeah, we saw him in the Futures game. That was uh, that was Unbelievable. Crazy. Like,
1: 101, yeah. and then, like, an absolute tight, beautiful slider. It's insane. Um, Robert Gasser was initially someone I was not in on, because I thought of him as more of a lefty slinging type. And he actually isn't. Um, he's kind of interesting. And he has a good slider, and I think a fastball that can do really well up Stairs it's super great VAA with uh with Gasser, so that might be an interesting battle. They might want to go with Gasser instead of Ashby just because Ashby might need more time to make sure that he's okay with his shoulder. Um, then the question becomes, Well, is Adrian Hauser the only thing in his way? And that's like, Yeah, all right, you know, the Brewers are gonna brew, which is them saying, Hey, can you give us five innings of like three earned runs you my man 10 million dollars you know like that (laughs) that is milwaukee right they're so content with that and i don't think that they'll disrupt it until there's an injury or something else happens so with this pick here you're doing this in october 19th round you would just drop him and i get that Uh, i'm also looking here i'm seeing that we allowed mitch Keller to go in the 21st round Oh my gosh. I have changed my tune on Mitch Keller a lot. Um, I'm starting to buy back in. And that's another tale for another time. But uh, but yeah, it is interesting to see. Okay, here are, here is the land of guys who might be dropped before the season starts, right? And we're trying to figure out who are the ones that we're going to be circling. I don't think it's going to be Ashby for me. I also, I just, I don't think he can survive with just that sinker. I don't think we're going to see the 2021 version of it in the smaller sample. And it's, it's just, it's just not enough. You can't these days be a sinker guy for the most part. It's really hard. I mean, to be consistent in fantasy, like you gotta be more forcing focused. And if not, then you have to have like two absurd secondaries. Ashby slider can be the, the changeup isn't consistent enough. So he's got some work to do. Gavin Lux is next, 20th round. we last four here. I forgot Gavin Lux existed.
0: Yeah, he wasn't in the database. I had to enter him in manually. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. Clicky Draft. No. <laughs> Kyle Craft, I want to give him a shout out, by the way. Every single year I bother him. I say, Kyle, can you please open up Clicky Draft for us? We're doing this thing. And he knows it. And he's there. And we support him every year. Uh, what Clicky Draft does for mock drafts, it is the easiest one by far. Mm-hmm. It's it's unbelievable. You guys should be using it for all your mock drafts. I can't I can't express it enough. For any snake draft, just use Clicky Draft. Thank you very much, Kyle Craft. But yeah, Gavin Lux, get in the database.
0: I realized uh, I didn't have a second baseman yet <laughs> oh, boy. throughout this entire draft. Uh, no, I realized that like uh, four or five rounds prior. Mm. And so I just leaned into it, to be honest. Um, and I realized- You saw, you saw Jimenez go. Is I happened. saw Jimenez go and I'm like, all right, even Jordan Westberg was gone. It's like, all right, we're getting to that point where I thought about going Zach Geloff um, in Oakland after what he was able to do in his rookie season. And then- all right, fine. Let's just, let's just, let's just go with it. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I see Brandon Lowe, Lowe and Gavin Lux and Tyro Estrada still on the board. Finally, Brandon Lowe goes, all right, fine. I'll just get the sneaky play just so I can, you know, type mm-hmm. in somebody's name. And <laughs> I, the thing is he, he, he missed the entire season Um, after, you know, being injured in spring training Um, in all all expectations is that he's perfectly healthy. Love seeing the report that he they expect him to be the starting shortstop um, for the Dodgers um, by opening day, assuming that they're going to spend any remaining money on their on their rotation or in their pitching staff um, that they have and run with it. Um, he is not flashy. I don't expect a whole ton of power, but I expect him not to hurt me in any in any way. Uh, and second base, as difficult as you might think it is, um, the replacement value at this point in the draft on the what I might see somebody kind of come through the woodwork um, in late April is an easy kind of switcheroo and in, in, uh, off the wire. So yeah,
1: um, for me, the second baseman that I'm circling, as like, okay. I've made it through the first like six seven rounds without a second baseman for whatever reason. What do I do? I it's Nolan Gorman for me. Hmm. Um, I think his his decision value and power is legitimate, and contactability is there. I it's interesting actually. I initially my thought process was of the three main PLV hitting stats: power, contactability, and decision value. I. I was in favor of, I mean, essentially power to me is the most important one. Um, and then the, between decision value and contact ability, I saw that judge had super high decision value and like 35 contact ability. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool, there's your model. That's the one. <laughs> but hearing Scott Chu talk on bench with Bubba, um, they went on. It was great. He talked about winning charts and everything like that. And of course, Bubba's is the best. Of course. Um, uh, Chu was saying, look, like, if you have amazing contact ability, it doesn't matter what your decision value is because you're making contact. And if you have a ton of power, and you're making a ton of contact, who cares what the pitch was? And I sat there and went, "Well, I'm an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't do hitters. Uh, but no, and and so so the I was really in on Gorman because of the decision value and in uh, and power, but um. I mean, I still feel like if you have two of the three, I think the hardest one to get is power. Uh, I think that's just innately like just really hard to find if you're able to do good decisions and you can make contact. And it's just like, I'm sorry, man, you're just not going to hit it hard. And that's just, you're not really made to be that. Uh, but decision value, I feel like is a mental thing. While contactability, I think, is an actually easier thing to pull away from power to do. Um, and there's an easier balance, I think, to have with those. I mean, obviously, of course, with contactability and power too, but I think guys are less inclined to take away contact ability for power. Sure. While I think the other way that they can. Right. So I, something to think about there. Gorman to me is a big upside play, especially this late in the 12th teamer. He went in the 17th. Um, I'm curious if there's anyone else that you're like, okay, that's the one I would go for. Like Edward Julian actually like he has really good POV marks too.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the the guy I've been targeting the most in, in the other drafts that I've done has been Glaber Torres uh, mm. based on just where he's been going. He's been going yeah. a little bit later than we, we saw him go in the eighth round here, yeah. usually able to grab him in you know in the ninth or tenth round in a 12-team. Oh, 12-tier. man,
1: that's going to be such a good RBI produ- producer.
0: I had one draft where I was able to grab Hong Sung Kim and Glaber Torres, but they were two rounds apart. And I was just like, and I and Kim went first. I took Kim first, well, waited was, two rounds, and then Torres. To say,
1: yeah. What, what's yeah. interesting about Torres too, I think, is might get overlooked, is because Juan so is a lefty. Um, you might see Glaber shoot up the order if it's say like, uh, like Judge first, Soto sure. second, Torres third, and then you put Rizzo behind him for that reason, right? Uh, yeah, Glaber's got to be in that top four of that lineup, and like not at the first or second uh that's great i'm a huge fan of that eighth round so that's a good call there uh we've got three to go and adam's like please nick we've been going for so long um <laughs> it's Robbie ray oh hey what's up man hey you exist Uh, Robbie ray could pitch in 20 uh in 2023 tell me about this sorry 2024, 2024. He Four. there we go You got there well he did like in he pitched like two games so he did pitch in 2023 look at me i'm so smart uh, he could pitch next year. Um, he got his Tommy John, I believe, on May 3rd. So that means around July or so is what you're hoping for, likely more or so around August. But talk to me about Robbie Ray.
0: I mean, I just have a soft spot for Robbie Ray. There's an IL spot in this league, so I'm going to take advantage of it. Um, you
1: know, he, he told me that he has a soft spot for
0: you. So, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I'm glad it's mutual. <laughs> um, I don't wear my pants as well as Robbie Ray does. <laughs> as- <laughs> i thought i was okay. just
1: gonna end it like i don't wear my pants as well like as in me too <laughs> i was like what this is not oh i see right it doesn't wear his yeah, yeah
0: i mean robbie i mean there's something to be said obviously he's coming back from the, you know the type of surgery that he had you you, you worry about what you know robbie ray's calling card was not so much control was right. the last and of course the, everybody says the last thing that comes back from you know Tommy if John's you read is control. this morning Adam. yeah <laughs> it's almost as if uh I've heard this before from you and many many others um so there's that the fact is is that I'm willing you know again is it, in the bottom three rounds of this kind of a draft I'm not I'm not sweating pretty much anybody that came after this. I'm like, Oh, I w- I really wish I had them. Um, and there's a couple of interesting names, obviously, but I'm at the same time it's like, I, I, am willing to kind of throw the dice and see what happens here.
1: Yeah. Um, I get it. I, I'm not really the kind of guy that goes after that IL pitcher. Um, because I just generally feel like you're not going to survive three plus months without a night. Like, holding on to Robbie Ray. I'd just be so shocked. Um, and I think this is, I think this is a moment where you really need to understand yourself and your tendencies because be sure. honest when it's May 15th and you've heard some reporter like, Oh, Robbie Ray may be starting to throw again. And all of a sudden you don't have an IL spot for the guy that went on the IL. Fair. Are you going to drop Robbie Ray or not? And the answer is You should. But you're not.
0: I mean, to be fair, I'm not to touching fair. Robbie Ray in any of my NFBC leagues. Well, that's a different Because thing I don't thing of, have you the know, IL spot. You know, I'm talking you about like a 12-teamer
1: 12, 12 where like you have, now let's say you have two IL spots. Sure. And now you have a third IL. And you're like two months away from Robbie Ray being there. And I. And that's like, you're hoping for that. And as you mentioned, mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that Robbie Ray is... Throwing an, like enough pitches to be valuable right away. And being at the level that you need him to be at. Uh, his, his command was the biggest thing for years. We were like, okay, we don't know what we're going to expect. He gets into a rhythm, then he's just bad. Um, the Mariners did figure something out, and they did this across their staff, of pairing sinkers with four-seamers. And making those sinkers that, by all pitch models, don't look good. Much better because they play really well off of the four seamer as surprise offerings. I I'm never going to get behind Robbie Ray throwing these outside sinkers to righties. I never will. But the fact they use them effectively inside of lefties, especially when he's going upstairs with the four seamer then surprise, it's more inside. All all in on that, right? Um, it's what Brian Wu does, and it's cool. So I do think that's the way that he's mitigated a little bit of those command issues. as is he's added that sinker? It's helped him. Still, 8% walk rate in 2022. We started to see some cracks in it 119 whip, 371 ERA in 2022. I remember saying, okay, cool. Like, I think I'm in on Robbie Ray. I think the fastball is good enough. And it's a good situation. I'm still in around, like, I think it was like 25th starter for me last year. Um, it's still just like, well, now these g- has to relearn everything, and I can't quite buy that he's going to be so effective right away. So just. Be honest with yourself about, like, write the plan in an envelope and seal it and have it on your desk for when you say, when I have too many IL spots open. I like that. You know? I like this. And you have to read it (laughs) and be like, if it's this date, if he's X amount away, these are the conditions of which I will keep Robbie Ray. And listen to it that's all I ask everyone yeah
0: there. I like I like the plan that's a fun so plan, I don't trust myself in the slightest
1: yeah you <laughs> like I mean, here's the thing like even those two months there are so many good pitchers that can produce in those two months I remember even in 2022 miles michaelis was on my like so many of my teams only because I had an open spot because someone got injured or whatever and he had a good matchup that week I was like fine And then he had another good matchup. I was like, fine. And they just kept going and just Vargas ruled it. And then it never ended. And that happens all the time. Bryce Elder was so good for so many of you for like three months. This is what happens. And if you hold on to Robbie Ray thinking like, well, it's going to be worth it at some point. You might be going after for like five weeks worth of production for the entire time. And you might be wasting out on things that could not last just that time before he gets... Back on the on the field, almost said pitch. My gosh, um, you're also missing it. I uh, beforehand too. So I'm just saying, don't do it. Don't play the game. Okay, uh, <laughs> just trust yourself. Who is? Who are either of these two guys? I, I don't <laughs> even
0: I love it. <laughs> Who are they? They're hitters, first of all, just so to yeah. make sure you know the color coding meant. Uh Sedan Rafaela uh, of the Red Sox <laughs> and Aurel Martinez. I just wanted to pick the best names that were still left on the board. Actually, I had to type in Aurel Martinez. because um, obviously he hasn't made his debut yet. Uh, but uh Sedan uh Rafaela uh, got, were I they got a debating
1: I, what his first name should be. They like, said another one that said Orelvis Viz. Or <laughs> well, I guess that's what they heard. So it, was sorry, it was a transcription. It was a
0: transcription, and then they put it on the. No, 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 no! I'm just joking. I'm so sorry. Um, but with Rafaela, I mean, he he made quite a splash. Uh, throughout the the minor leagues in 2023. finally the Red Sox, you know, gave him the cup of coffee at the end of the year. Uh, played a lot of center field. Played f- had five starts at shortstop. So in Yahoo g- keeps that eligibility going into twenty twenty four. Um, There's also a hole in at second base for the Red Sox that there's
1: your second base that they have
0: that they have have mentioned that uh, they are not going to go out and spend on. So there's a possibility that Rafael comes in and he's able to get some middle infield reps while playing a very, you know, playing uh, center field where when Jaren Duran needs uh, an out. Now, of course. You know, you go and read uh, Jeff Zimmerman's finding the news because if you're not doing that, I don't know what you're doing yeah, you um, in you the do offseason. But there's the reports that there's a strong possibility that Rafael plays in Triple A to start the season to work on some more offense, um, as it, it it kind of struggled a little bit as well, he made the adjustments into major league. Never heard you that. You not mean defense? No, I know this. Is, that's I. I had to read the article a couple times because <laughs> there was a weird. It was a weird thing to to read, um, because his defense is elite um up the middle and like as you can see from his experience just in the major leagues in the short period of time that he was there playing five games at at um at shortstop playing a handful of games at second base sure. playing another 20 or so in in center field um you know he can definitely do all of that and you know this is the second to last pick of the draft something go. happens yeah, now, I was really excited when Verdugo got traded, and I'm like, "Oh, great! Now there's more opportunity for Rafaela to uh, to play, and uh, maybe even Willie Abar." But then, like th- four days later, they traded for Tyler O'Neill to ah, uh, yeah, so. right.
1: I remember that. I remember that Twitter swarm. Oh, um, <laughs> what's interesting here is you have Irrelevisa, uh Martinez, um, and you were kind of hoping, I think, that maybe there were some whispers of uh Bobby checking traded something like that that would open up this uh the AAA hitter third base shortstop is YC FanGraphs um 28 home runs across about 115 games last year um across Double A AA and Triple A uh for Orellana so that's pretty in- enticing and you're hoping that maybe you can find a spot steal for maybe Davis Schneider um, um
0: I'm like if anything that. I'm expecting if okay, uh, Biggio, if say. they don't replace Matt Chapman at third base um yeah. that there's an opening or direct opening there and they you know they continue to have Kevin Biggio kind of move around um as Biggio, you know did some good things toward the end in the second half of last year still not quite sure that he did enough to like solidify an everyday role at a certain position um Martinez with as many struggles as he had um you know with with his batting average with his strikeout rate made some pretty consistent strides over the course of last year at double A AA and AAA, um, going down from the 28 and percent strikeout rate in 2022 at double A going all the way down to 20 percent um, in double A before getting moved up to triple A still at 26.8 um, percent at you know to end the year at triple A in the strikeout rate department won't translate that well into the majors right away but even if he starts you know in triple A I'd like to see that go down just the same way he did at double A and I'll feel a lot better about it. But um I I think that Martinez, um taking the course that he's already had with the Blue Jays, he has a strong chance of making the opening day roster with a very strong spring if they don't plug holes at third base, if they don't get a, a you know, a solid everyday second baseman um to replace Snyder as well. There's he does have that flexibility. I do not see him playing shortstop um anymore um i think that he makes a position change in general um and, but that power is not something i'm gonna i did the same thing with as barger his teammate last year and that did not work out so we'll see yeah how, i don't know who that we'll know. is so yeah that's cool. fine <laughs>
1: um so we did it we did Here it, it Adam. through all my delirium you put up with me all of you listening thank you so much for enduring my gauze mouth accent i don't know it's weird i uh, adam scale of one to 23 how do you feel about this team
0: i don't love it oh uh, man,
1: that's not on my skill respect my skill no
0: man. and you respect your one to 23 it used to be 117 i liked when you updated it to one to 23 because it makes sense yeah there's 23 but also
1: to one to 17 it. i say all the time in public because that's like it really makes you think you know people just like oh i'm a seven like they know that one and it's like mm-hmm. i don't know Oh, got to do the ratio math. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I only got two seals of approval. I was a little disappointed in that. Um, but at yeah, the same yeah, time... Yeah, yeah, be better. <laughs> yeah. Got to do better than that. <laughs> All right, out of 23, well, let me, let me, I mean, I'll on, give myself... On, on. I'll give this team, uh, because uh, of the drafts that I've four, done... S- you know
1: that, right? Hmm? Uh Five. You really should have... Okay, so Pablo Lopez, Royce Lewis.
0: Um, I'm going to give it to you for Cole Reagans. You, you gave it to me. Yeah, that's the fault. That's the fault.
1: Uh, and then... Um, <laughs> I like the Darvish one, Craig Kimbrell.
0: Um, oh, that's right. I got, got Kimbrell. I forgot the Kimbrell one. All right. So so you did good. Don't worry. So, I'll give myself because I have drafted a lot of these guys in the other drafts that I've um, um, picked on different teams. So it's not as though I'm not out on all these players. I think it's just the combination of the players that I picked, especially in the second half of my draft, that uh, I don't necessarily love. So go out of 23, we'll say 13.
1: 13. Okay. And uh, last question I'm going to ask you. Looking at all the other picks, I uh, which is your favorite pick that someone else took? They oh, look back man. and go, "Oh man, that was so good!" And why is it Shoto Imanaga in the eighteenth round? Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I am really. I I, I want to hear more about your. I haven't listened in depth into your take on um on him yet, but uh, we talked. To, I haven't
1: uh, really talked too much about it. Um, we talked to
0: Jake Mesh on an episode uh, recently uh, on the Wire, and I had some conversations, man. He's uh he. He's not looking like he. He's expecting him to translate all that well. Um, oh, interesting um, coming over um, in his first season. So we'll, we'll see. I, Yamamoto, I, on the other hand, a, I, a lot of a lot of positive stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean Yamamoto to me is a more complete pitcher. Sure. Um The crazy thing about Shota Imanaga is, I mean, he has four pitches. He's a command guy, and it's like a little walk rate too. I mean, Yamamoto's was really low, but I. Uh, at first glance, it's like, well, he's a command guy. He shouldn't really have any strikeouts. Um, but then you realize, wait, hold on. He has a forkball, which is good. It's a it's a good one. It works. Change up, lefty. Uh, he has a big curveball he trusts. Is fastball, which is a low nineties to mid uh, mid-90s four-seamer, is apparently just like incredibly good um at getting whiffs upstairs. And it I wish I had the data. I don't. Um, he also has a slider that... uh you know, I watched all of his WBC start against the uh the Yankees. <laughs> Might as well be the USA team. Um, <laughs> same thing, right? Uh, and the uh, the one mistake he made was a slider that didn't get down and in enough. It had too much sweep and not enough uh drop to Trey Turner. Trey Turner was beat on it, but Trey Turner was so locked in. He was able to slow down his bat enough to to keep it fair of the wall. Um number one stuff plus of all pitchers in the Mm -hmm. WBC. And that is the thing that just sticks with me because I watched Shoto and I didn't see a guy that was battling himself. Like, sure, that was a mistake slider, but he was doing all the things he really wanted to do. And that normally speaks like a Toby to Holly kind of guy, right? Like a 20% strikeout rate, maybe 21, 22 or something. But then to see that he had the number one stuff plus, like that is, wait, hold on a second. That was so alarming to me. Um, now, you guys know this. Uh, stuff Plus, uh, it's not the end all be all, right? There are certain times that, you know, of course, the labels one guy's Stuff Plus being really good and, you know, it doesn't always work. I mean, same with PLV, uh, maybe even more so because we uh, have a location involved with it. But uh, still, you don't just get number one Stuff Plus and like have bad stuff. Right. <laughs> That's not usually you how know? it works. That's yeah. really <laughs> my point here. And, <laughs> I think he's just getting so overlooked. Um, I don't really see Imanaga being like 120 innings or something. Like, Whatever team gets him is going to start him every five days probably, or maybe they might extend into a sixth man, something like that, give him at least early on some extra rest. But like if you say, cool, 150 innings, Imanaga, right? Whose name is I'm an AGA, by the way. I <laughs> uh, Yeah, with clearly strikeout ability and good command, like... I feel like you have a really good ERA and WHIP floor with like possible twenty five percent strikeout rate. Like, wait, hold on a second. I want this everywhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are not like you are gonna draft Shoto Imanaga and not drop him the entire year. You're not gonna drop him, and that's a huge deal. Uh, I I talk about it a lot. You want to get four guys you are not dropping the entire year. I don't feel that like you're gonna get like a twenty percent or under strikeout rate from him. So. That's my take right now, just from everything I've read and talked to people about and stuff. Um, I could be very wrong. I haven't really gotten the chance to see him go against Major League pitching. I don't have the absurd data that I get for everybody else who's pitched in the majors, but it feels like, yeah, why wouldn't like it's better Kodai Senga to me. You know, Kodai Senga, sure you could say like, oh, the strikeouts were more flowing for him, but I think the command is better with Minaga. The the fastball and the cutter that Senga has I know the velocity is there for the fastball, but it's not really like a good whiff pitch. And the cutter is okay. Uh, I feel like Imanaga is just a safer version of that. I don't know. It's kind of wild.
0: I think that my favorite pick wasn't made. Um, and it's in hindsight because he wasn't signed yet. But Jaime Heimer- Candelario still on the board to be picked up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick a hitter just so, you know. Yeah, I, there I'm
1: you go. Pick. Thank, thank you. About. Yeah. Uh, no, the fact okay, that he signed a three
0: year deal in Cincinnati for 15 million a year yeah, means sure. he's going to start and he's going to play, even though they have some really young, talented players that are playing Absolutely. the corner spots. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's as, as good of a landing spot. As he he could have found after the season he just had. Yeah. And, uh, but an actual pick that someone else made. <laughs> um, I like the T I'm going to stay with Cincinnati. Then I say, I'll like, I like the TJ Friedel pick. Um, especially if you've built a team that you need a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a stolen base threat um, mm-hmm. or lack of a threat um, in the fact that you're able to get him who has made enough of an impact last year that I would expect him to be pretty much an everyday player um, in Cincinnati um, in the 18th round. So Somewhere, I will would...
1: wear someplace. Justin Mason just jumped. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not that good of a pick. I'm going to go buy the Jersey, but at the same there time,
1: it is. It. <laughs> uh, that's 18th round by Eric Simulski. So yeah. I'll make sure to let him know that that you felt that
0: same way. round as Imanaga,
1: but um yeah, Imanaga better. And I, <laughs> I, I mean, you you guys are gonna think about this, and you're gonna look back and go, my gosh, Nick, you got Bayo Cortez Imanaga 16, 17, 18. That's just ridiculous. And I, that's always one of the fun things. Actually, going back like a year later, be like, how stupid are we? <laughs> Like, oftentimes, no one has, like, a good team. It's really fun to go back and you find, like, a mock draft for something where someone just absolutely nailed it. And it never happens. <laughs> There's always, like, two or three. It's like, dude, come on. You were so close. Um, But anyway, that is it. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Uh, it's I got to say, Adam, I enjoyed doing podcasts with you. For whatever reason, you bring out, like, the more <laughs> relaxed, weird part of me. Which... Oh, I, I kind of appreciate a bit that, I, you know, it's different. <laughs> I trust that you'll be able to pick me up. Is, I think that's the thing. It's like, no, I, sure. I can do this and you're <laughs> professional enough to be like, okay, Nick, anyway, so this bring is us cool. back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So thank you for that. Uh, I remind everyone, Adam, which I mean, I'm sure they all know, but tell us everything that you're doing where they can find you.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I'm producing a couple podcasts on uh, a network you might've called, might've heard of, Pitcherless Podcast Network. <laughs> Uh, you can follow at pictureless pods for all the updates, of all the shows. Um, and we're regularly producing now. And so they're all out there and, uh, you can follow me at, on the Twitter. I'm still on the Twitter machine. Still calling it Twitter. Still calling it Twitter too. Um, it's at 80 grade. It's all spelled out. Um, at on the wire pod is the, the, the show that you can mostly hear me on, um, (laughs) on the Twitter as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in and out of the Discord as, as the rest of the staff is. Um, it's, I spend more time in the Discord than I do on Twitter, that's for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Our Discord is amazing. Um, yes. And uh, Can't yeah, we'll have some things full. to announce, I think, about our subscriptions moving forward. Uh, we're going to have some new ways for people to support us, which is pretty cool. You can also get uh, 25% off right now at Peel Pro to get access, of course, to our Discord and all the things with code Sandy25. Um, in honor of Sandy Alcantara not being there for the full year Mm -hmm. and I'm so sad about it still. Um, but I, but yeah, we hope to see you on that discord. It is truly the best baseball community you will find on the internet. I can't express that enough.
0: And we Uh, just had a new staff day and that's one of the most exciting days of the discord.
1: It really is fun (laughs) because I mean, especially in December, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with all these signings, everything that happens, you just want someone to talk about it.
0: Yeah. And you got all these new voices, all these new people. It's the, just, it's amazing.
1: The, the, the life of the baseball general channel in that discord is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have 20 million things. It's, it's pretty awesome to see like Sarah Sanchez's reaction. But like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like, I, know, yeah. I know Sarah and we're yeah. so happy that you're here. But yeah. You're going to, uh, possibly hear her voice, uh, in the future. We're excited about that. Um, but, uh, but that is it for today. So on the behalf of Adam Howe, no, I can't do this. This is your podcast. You're the host, aren't you? Go ahead. Do the thing.
0: <laughs> do it, Adam. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of On the Corner and On the Wire co-producing. Uh, on behalf of Nick Pollock, I am Adam Howe, and we bid you goodbye.